Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 292, and it's brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use that code CLNS50. We have a big show today, lots of topics. We literally went out and dug out some stuff to talk about, all Bruins-related, and we continue the off-season hockey talk every week here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. And uh, joining me, as always, is uh, fellow host Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, how you doing, my friend? Doing awesome, man. It's been a uh, great week, great weekend so far, and time to talk some hockey with the boys. Absolutely. And down below, and in his famous term, Google it, is Dom Tiano. Dom, how you doing, my friend? Uh, doing great. Ready to talk some hockey. Uh, mentioned that... Uh, Bruins fifth round pick Frederick Brunet's birthday is today. He turns 19 and excited to see what Kevin has to eat uh, during this podcast. <laughs> Nothing, <laughs> Dom. Spoiler <laughs> alert. A <laughs> uh, little pre-show meal, but uh, yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> Please tell me we don't have to sing happy birthday to Brunette now. No. Do we not have to? No. Okay, good. Did no. anybody I, my do- singing voice is not up to par this morning. <laughs> The internet delay made that song so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we sounded like three drunken sailors. <laughs> Love it. Well, we probably were. No, I well, I probably was. <laughs> uh, no, but anyway, we have do have a ton of stuff to talk about. But I do want to mention something that um, it is the off season. This is a great time to learn about uh, creating digital content covering the Boston Bruins organization. Uh, we need more writers and podcasters. So if you want to jump on board, this. BNG uh, freight train, 
reach out to me at black and gold productions llc at gmail.com let me know what you want to do what kind of content you'd like to provide uh, i also want to mention and i will put the link in the show notes uh, we do have a new discord server so if you want to interact that way it's more or less like a text machine we just sit there and and talk we have a, uh, great folks we have kevin we have dom we have maria from watertown in the uh, discord now so we're looking forward to talking to her um yeah and i'll put the show note i'll put the link in the show notes but we also have a, a black and gold hockey podcast listener hotline so if you want to call from monday to friday and leave us a boston bruins related uh, question a brief one please more or less like a like a tweet uh just a 280 character but um just keep it brief and uh, we'll do our best to put that on the program and answer all your questions or if you want to call in and let us uh give us a topic that we should be discussing we, we'll do that too so tons of ways to interact uh with everybody and uh, that's what we want to do because we love talking hockey and you know that's basically our our, our, our lifeline here so um why don't we uh uh, start off by talking about the World Juniors and a big congratulations to Team Canada on winning the uh, 2022 Double IHF World Junior Championships. Uh, Canada beat Finland three to two in overtime last night. What a game! What a game! It was. Uh, I was pretty much inebriated, so I really didn't uh, get a lot of the action, but I did watch the game and I thought it was exciting. But uh, Dom, you are our Canadian resident here, and uh, congratulations to your 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 native country. And uh, uh, talk about what that means to you. Well, it always means a lot to me. I mean, um, I was interested in the tournament for well, I'm always interested in the tournament, but uh, this year for you know the three Bruins uh, prospects that were. Uh, in the tournament, I paid a little bit more attention to, uh, to uh, you know, Latvia, uh, Team USA, and Team Sweden that I normally uh, wouldn't have uh, because of uh, uh, Duran, Lachmelis, and Lysel being um, in the tournament. Um, I will say this about Mason McTavish, love him as a hockey player. Uh, kid's going to be a stud. Had, uh, you know, a tremendous offensive uh, tournament up there with, uh, you know, Wayne Gretzky and Eric Lindros uh, tied for the second most points uh, in for Team Canada in tournament history. Uh, but as as great as the play was, uh, he's going to be remembered for that goal line save more than than what he contributed offensively. And I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. I mean, we know what Michael Ryder did to the Bruins or for the Bruins uh, against Montreal. Um, but it's a shame that that's the what he's going to be remembered for most. Uh, because he really did have a fantastic tournament. It's funny you said that because I was just thinking Michael Ryder and the freaking yeah. glove save. But uh, uh, Kevin, did you happen to watch any of the tournament at all? I didn't watch a lot of it. I watched um, a couple of the USA games, a couple of the Sweden games. I unfortunately wasn't able to um, check out any of uh, Luck Mellis's games, but. Um, it was it was interesting. I, I only was able to hear about the finals last night, the gold medal game. Um, I was 
I had plans. I was out doing things, so I wasn't able to watch it. So I'm getting a lot of my information on things here. But, I mean, I'm happy for Canada, of course, for being able to, um, you know, pull out that win. And um, did LaSalle end up getting the bronze medal? Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. And he had a yeah. big goal in that game. He had a couple yeah. in the tournament. He had a, yeah. In that game in particular, I mean, I watched that goal uh, while I was out to dinner with friends last night. And uh, <laughs> I seriously was sitting there for about 15 minutes watching it over and over and over again. They're all looking at me like, what's so important on your phone? I just <laughs> turned my phone around like that. It was uh unbelievable it, wraparound. It was a great goal, a great show of strength. Um, you know, his hands to be able to get it around the net, wrap it in that way. It was just a beautiful goal. And, um, I'm really excited about that kid. Yep. I, w- I want to say this about Lysel, if I can. Absolutely. It, it's, it, it's, it's not a rant. It's, it's just more, uh, being realistic about, um, Fabian Lysel and his chances of making the Bruins this year. Yeah, he had a couple of highlight real goals that are going to, you know, make the circuit and be hot on Twitter for for a few days. You know, the one off the mask that basically had no room in the goal that he scored yesterday or two, specifically I'm talking about. <clears throat> but I see so many people saying uh, that – he has to be in the Bruins opening night night lineup uh, based on those two goals. But I challenge those people to go back and watch uh, the last 12 minutes of that game yesterday and count how many shifts Fabian Lysel had in the last in the final 12 minutes. Even when they made it three to one, and got some breathing room with three and a half minutes to go. Count how many shifts Fabian Lysel had um, in those final three and a half minutes. And I can guarantee you, you won't need any fingers to count them. Now, Kevin mentioned the strength, and granted, he showed a lot of strength uh, on that goal. The skating, we all know the skating is there, but... um, you have to remember, and I always caution about these tournaments. It's one tournament, it's half a dozen games, and these are not NHL players he's doing it against. These are his peers. Uh, a lot of them will never play in the NHL. Um, so let's not base too much on what we saw in this tournament. Uh, he needs to add strength. As much as he out-muscled... Uh, the Chechen player, um, he's not an NHL player. And if you're going to put him in the lineup, that's what he's going to be facing uh, come opening night. Yep, I agree. I agree with you, Dom. Everything you said. I mean, you need to be able to pump the brakes. Yeah, he's an exciting player, but he still has room for growing. And you need to allow him to do that at the next step, which would be the AHL level. That's going to be just a taste of what he would endure for a full 82-game schedule in the NHL. Now, I've heard Mark say, um, you know, the AHL, you know, kind of comes at you a bit faster than the NHL does. So 
I think it's a great way for him to kind of, you know, dip his toes in the water, get started. And I mean, you know, if he ends up making the Bruins at some point this season, because he's shown a lot of, you know, growth and he's shown that he can handle that and he comes up through injury and he stays, then that's what happens. No one here can say that that can't happen, but to pencil him in, no doubt saying he has to be there. It's just, it's just not, it's just not how things are and it shouldn't be how it is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm fully on board and I have been with uh full AHL season. And, and if he, and if he excels at a, at a rate that we don't see, in a mixed uh, bag of ages on the ice in the American Hockey League with Providence and and how he's built into the system with Ryan Mujanel, uh as head coach, you know, nobody knows what what, what could happen. But it, it, I I just kind of find it funny the fan just prematurely just like throw it right in there after you see a good play like Dom said, and it was a lot like what happened to Jack Sednica after his first development camp. People went to the Warrior Ice Arena, saw Jack Sednica and his skill set on display in training sessions, and they were automatically raving him to be on the lineup that following season. It's just unrealistic expectations to me. Um, I want to, I want to, I'm always about properly developing. You know, he needs, he, he does need to get some muscle mass, some, some, a uh, little bit more size. And Dom, you said it a couple of weeks ago that he went from 5'10, now he's over six feet. So he's a little bit growing and so on, which is good. But now put on that muscle mass, you know, um, and and he's going to need it against heavier talent in the American Hockey League and guys that are really going to weigh down and grind on you. And they're going to they're going to go after players like that. So he's got to be able to take it and and be more responsive in his puck possession, his puck movement and his in three zones while everything comes at you just a little bit faster than the WHL or some of these uh, tournaments that are under 20 years old. You know, there's a a famous quote from a soccer coach uh, back from uh, 2018 uh, when something like, you know, you only have the ball for three minutes in a game. It's what you do the other 87 minutes that makes you a great player. Uh, You can take that and it translates to hockey as well. Um, You know, it's what you do, what, when you don't have the puck on your stick that makes you a great player. Uh, You, you can say it about Bobby Orr. You can say it about Wayne Gretzky uh, all the way down to Fabian Lysel. Um, Um, it's what you do when you don't have the puck that's going to make you a, a, a great player. So uh, that's what Lysel has to learn other than adding strength to his frame. Um, because, you know, I watched just about every one of his games in the WHL last season. I watched all his games at the World Junior Championships it just ended. You know, he really hasn't had a full offseason of training because of this tournament. Um so to add that muscle, you know, he lost a few weeks of, of what he normally would have done in training or what the Bruins wanted him to do in training. He's added a little bit of muscle, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to base it on a couple of highlight real goals that he scored. It's, it's the whole package for me. And, and to me, he's just not ready. Now, can he go into camp and, and make a case for himself? Sure he can. Anybody can. Just I need to see it. Absolutely. 
and real quick before oh sorry nope go right ahead say real quick before we kind of move on from the LaSalle thing uh even with the puck there were some instances in that tournament where um you know games I saw him play in where he would take the puck into high traffic areas in the offensive zone lose it in the high slot and it's going the other way um I saw that quite a quite a bit um in that tournament with him and um that's another part of his game that he may need to uh relax a bit on it reminds me a bit of David Pasternak and how he loves to kind of turn it over, you know, at the blue line in the uh, or in the high slot. And it's something that frustrates not only me, but I'm sure a ton of other Bruins fans. And I'd like to see LaSalle work on that a bit as well. So in his defense, though, I, I will say Sweden offensively was, uh, you know, can I say shit show? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, because <laughs> it, it seemed like they had as a team, no clue on what they were supposed to be doing. <clears throat> and that could have negatively affected Lysel as well, you know? Um, yeah, could be right there. But, yeah, but that – you and just to wrap up the uh, Lysel talk real quick, you could really put that into his WHL year too when him and Zach Osterpachuk, I think that's his name, those, yeah. two, those two players were the driving force of that team. I'm not saying that – you know, the other 18 people, uh, players on that team were, were absolutely terrible. And they didn't have, have nothing to do. But those were the two guys that really drove that offense, particularly in the uh, latter part of the season, to really get the Vancouver Giants into the postseason uh, by the skin of their teeth. They, they were pretty much out of it uh, seven, eight weeks before that. And they really grinded it out to get into the postseason. So, And that was due to those two players. So, um, yeah, I mean – Lysel can be trusted to do a lot of good things, but as a young player, he still has to learn the other side of the puck when he doesn't have it. So, I mean, that's just, that's why I really am, am all for like proper development, at least a full year in the AHL is just my opinion, but it, it has worked in the past. All right. You know, what works also is spicing up that fan cave and you do need it. I'm watching everyone. You I'm looking in all your windows and so on. You need more black and gold. Isn't that creepy, Kevin? It's it's weird, dude. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's weird. But what's not creepy is Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some fantastic items from the uh, Boston Bruins and New England Patriots, Boston Red Sox, Boston Celtics, all hand-signed and fully authenticated. So listen to this upcoming commercial, and we'll talk about the Bruins on the other side. <laughs> Hello Bruins fans, this is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. This Sunday, August 21st, we are hosting a signing with 1980 Olympic hockey gold medalist Ken Morrow. Take home a Morrow JSA photo or puck starting at just $39. A Miracle on Ice puck for $44 or a Morrow JSA jersey with inscription for just $99. Please join us this Sunday, August 21st, at the Cardboard Promotion Show at the Dedham Holiday Inn from 8.30 to 2.30. On August 25th, we are hosting the return of 1980 Olympic hockey gold medalist and former Bruin, Dave Silk. We are accepting send-ins, $29 flats and pucks, $39 premiums, or pre-order pucks starting at just $39, or JSA jerseys for $99. To learn more about our dozens of hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, 
or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, Beast fans, we just heard from the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And, um, yeah, I just got a, uh, a Ray Bork hand-signed jersey from Bruce, and um, uh, I'm donating it to Cadence Crusaders, which is a uh, childhood pediatric cancer um, um, initiative, uh, fundraiser, and so on. And they've been doing that for the past couple of years. And they're having an event at game time in Amesbury, Massachusetts on September 1st. So I bought it and donated that in the name of Black and Gold Productions. So uh, hopefully that will raise a lot of money. And uh, I, I buy all my fundraising stuff from Bruce and, and the hand signed stuff to uh, give away to local charities. So it means a lot to me to, uh, to give back to my community, but also, uh, you know, the, the, the young ones that, are, <clears throat> excuse me, are having a, a tough time battling uh, one of the worst things in life. So it means a lot to me to give back. And I hopefully um, everybody else out there can find it in their hearts to do the same. All right. Um, let's go. <laughs> let's talk about this because it, it, it is making a little bit of news. and I know it might frustrate a lot of people, but can we put the kibosh on this Milan Yuluchik's return to Boston? I, I get the nostalgia. I really do. But what what part of Bruins Nation doesn't understand that it just can't work cap wise? It doesn't make sense on the roster, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I just I, I don't get the uh, the whole thing. And, and the recent room is that Calgary is interested in, in in moving on from him and Boston wants to take him. I, I don't get it. Can, can I go ahead and say something first? Um, there's a lot of Bruins fans out there who are frustrated with the team's lack of young players developing um, and seeing them be able to pull kids from the AHL or juniors or wherever it may be and insert them into their NHL lineup. But a lot of those same fans are screaming to bring in Milan Lucic to just take one of those spots from one of those kids who are probably ready to come up and show what they can do. Can, can we, can we just stop doing that, please? Like, you know, it's either you want to see kids develop and you want to see them in this roster, or you want to see people past their prime, like Milan Lucic coming in and doing what they could do for you, but maybe worse. So that's just all I have to say about that. And that's no, do not no 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 play wise could he be beneficial beneficial to the lineup maybe uh, but i just can't see how they could possibly make it work financially um it's going to have to be a three-way trade where uh you involve a team that calgary retains 50% and the second team retains 50%, and then they trade him to the Bruins. And, and that's going to cost you to get a, a third team in to do that. On top of that, they already have a dilemma on how they're going to clear cap space when everybody's healthy. Um, just adding even a $2 million Milan Lucic is just going to compound that even more. I just... 
can't see how it's going to be done. And on top of that, Lucic himself just bought himself uh, a huge home in Calgary. And uh, all indications are that he wants to stay there and re-sign there. So, um, I don't know. I just I don't, just don't see how it could possibly work. Yeah, I, I, I get the whole... You know, the, the nostalgia thing, like I said before, I mean, he was a g- good player. I, in my opinion, in his first four years, was the better of Milan Lucic. The last four years was probably the reason why they moved on from him, not only because he was declining a little bit, but also he was going to be coming in with a, a heavy payday. And the Bruins probably knew that ahead of time, so they had to make that move to uh, the Los Angeles Kings. Um, but... I, I just I don't know. I just think that fans just want to see him back in the black and gold and just kick some ass. I think that's it. I, I mean, he doesn't for me. He just doesn't provide any offensive structure or anything like that. He's just a banger and so on. And I totally get that. But you know, we have players like that and that are a little younger. And we'll talk about one of them later on. But you know, I I just don't see the fit. I I just I just think that it's just a lot of fans that love seeing him uh, get all angry and. You know, and 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 the one of the funniest things was a lot of it's like, well, you need that player to stick up for your for your um, for your teammates when when you know liberties are taken, and they go back to this and that. And I was reading the thread on Twitter, and it was like, well, you know, where was Lucic when uh, Matt Cook hit Mark Savard? Nobody went after him. It was the next day or the next game that they saw that 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 you know liberties were served. And, uh, you know, they, they had to, you know, pay the piper. But that, that's just a, a really poor excuse, uh, in my opinion, just to, you know, just to have that guy there to, to, to be that support that you need. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm a little reaching a little bit here. It's just frustrating that so many people want this to happen, but they won't want to give a, a younger player an opportunity to work his way into the lineup and see what they have. You know, it's it's basically what – we're doing right now with with Nick Foligno. We brought in an aging veteran, but also bottlenecking some of these younger prospects from uh, making the lineup. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I get the toughness part of it. You know, I get wanting to add a toughness aspect to your team, but there's other ways of doing it. Agreed. Yeah, and bringing him in is not a deterrent. Like you mentioned, Matt Cook. Having Milan Lucic on the uh, on on the bench or in uniform did not deter Matt Cook from doing uh, what he did to Mark Savard. So, you know, I don't buy the whole deterrent thing. Um, never have and never will. Uh, those those types of plays still happen. All right, uh, moving on to another topic. Uh, we're talking about cap space, and and we need to um, you know shed some of it to be cap compliant before. Uh, the season starts in October. Um, there's, there's reports out there that uh, Craig Smith could be on his way out. Are we hearing any um, validity to that? On, I mean, it, it does make sense if you're looking at his 3.1 million per season. He's got one more year left to go, and uh, the Bruins are 2.2 over. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the type of guy that doesn't have any uh, any contract. Um, any, uh, no movement, no trade. So it, 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 it does gravitate a lot of people to say that he would be the one to go. But uh, anybody hearing anything on that at all? Not a beat. 
yeah. lot of people. I know we've mentioned it on prior uh, podcasts that he would make the most sense because he actually has value around the league. You know, it's a good contract. It, he's It's only got one year left. And, uh, you know, when you combine all those things, you know, you can you can get some value for him. But my question is, who do you put in his place? Mm-hmm. I know everybody is a lot of people that are listening are going to say Fabian Lysel, but you know, let's go back to the conversation we had at the beginning. Are you better with Fabian Lysel in that spot uh, to start, or are you better with Craig Smith? Craig Smith all day, in my yeah. opinion, he's going to give you what you need. <coughs> Work ethic, not saying that Fabian LaSalle can't work hard. That's not what I'm saying, but he's going to give you that work ethic at the NHL level. He's going to give you that more complete um, style of play away from the puck. He's going to give you the things that you're going to want in a playoff series, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, a lot of people look at the stat sheet and and say, oh, he's underachieved here in Boston, but I don't really see it that way. I think he's played to the tune of pretty much what his career has been on his stat line. Um, he's never been, he's had what a 50 point season, I think once in his career. Other than that, he's been a 30 and 40 point player. He's done exactly what he's done in Nashville. You know, it's just the type of player he is. Um, and I think he's a great bottom six forward to have, you know, when he made that jump up to the top six, a lot of people kind of expected him to become this, you know, brand new, sniper top six right winger for this team. And it's just not how it is. So, um, you know, I, I like Craig Smith. I think he's a hard worker. I enjoy his game. And if it were up to me, I'd be keeping him for this year. If you're going for a cup and I'd be figuring out a way just to put one of those guys on LTIR and, you know, and then move one of Riley or Grizzly, depending on where you're at, when that time is about to come where a player is coming back. That's just where I, because of that log jam on the left side of the defense, that's just where I'm at. I just hope he, if he stays, I hope he has a bounce back year. I know that was a, it was a tough season last year. Uh, Might've been injured a little bit, um, hindering something, uh, but definitely want to see that shooting. That's why we got one of the big reasons why we got the, this player is it was his shooting percentage was really high. And as soon as he gets the puck, he's like putting it on net and creating opportunities want to see more of that I, I'm, I'm i like the points too i mean when we're looking for secondary scoring all the time uh he's a player that i really gravitate to a lot is is, is him and um you know with, with the, his shooting abilities and so on i want to see him more point productive but hopefully for a bounce back year you know i mean it is a contract year it does happen in the uh in the nhl quite often that you know it, when you're up against it and you know, at the tail end of your, uh, of your current deal that you really perform better to, uh, to get the, uh, the evaluators out there, you know, their prices go up a little bit. So remains to be seen what kind type of year he has, but I, I, I don't know. Tough one. All right. Um, Dom, you wanted to talk about, uh, one of your topics. I know you had three of them. So, uh, if you want to, you can go right ahead. Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about, because I'm being asked a lot, about uh, two rookie camp invites. Um, 
that'll that'll be at uh, the Prospects Challenge in in Buffalo. Uh, first one is uh, James Hardy uh, with the Mississauga Steelheads out of the Ontario Hockey League. Um, here's a guy who's been an elite scorer at the at the junior level since basically coming into the league. Uh, he's gone on draft at three times now. Um, you know, and people are wondering, like, what's the deal? What's, what, you know, why is he gone undrafted? You know, um, is it a skating issue? Is it a hockey sense issue? And the answer is no. Um, <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the thing with Hardy uh, is that a, as a leader of, of a goal scorer, he is uh, excellent vision. You know, uh, he can shoot the puck. Uh, like an NHL player right now. Um, for a few years, he didn't know that hockey was a 200-foot game. And I think that uh, that, that affected him. Um, but he made strides last season. And you could see that he's, he's put the work in it uh, that needed to be. And whether it's enough, um, you know, that remains to be seen. So, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, at the Prospects Challenge uh, and, and go from there. The other one, and I'm going to butcher his name, and Mark, uh, you're going to have to help me with this because you probably know it better than I do because he played with uh, Maine Mariners uh, last season. Is, is Kelty? Oh. Kelty Leon. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Here's Google, guy it, who, Google it. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> um, he's a guy who played uh, in the WHL, bounced around for the first few years, um, and finally ended up in Seattle where, where he really took off. And the same thing could be said about, about Kelty that I said about James Hardy is, is that, you know, the development came later um his 200 foot awareness was lacking um but he's a point producer a late developer so i'm curious how the two will do at the prospects challenge i i believe kelty signed an echl deal mark yeah Mike he's been Black. with the main mariners <laughs> he but <was> the <laughs> But, but the one he just signed is a, an ECHL deal, right? Yes. Okay. So, you know, maybe he can show enough to get himself an AHL deal coming out of out of um, the prospect challenge and rookie camp and, and go from there. So I just wanted to touch base on those two guys because people are asking me uh, uh, about them and what better place to put it out than here, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about the first one, but I am going to start uh, paying attention, obviously, at the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo um, on Harding. And uh, Kelty Leon, I saw many times in Maine, um, really fast forward uh, and, and a point producer. Um, and it, what a fantastic year last season. Uh, the first with the uh, the Bruins AA minor pro affiliate. Um, and... And, and got a little bit of a taste of uh, American Hockey League life, too, with, with a few call-ups and so on. But um, 
yeah, I think that's a solid move to have uh, at the Young Prospects Challenge with, uh, uh, you know, fellow Bruins, um, you know, first timers and, and prospects that have been around for a couple of years. So should be exciting. Um, that tournament is in the uh, middle of September. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to make it again this year. I was really hoping to, but uh, um, dad's going away to Florida. So I got to watch the watch the dogs. <laughs> so, um yeah, looking forward to that and those two players. Did you have anything else on on that, Dom? No, just wanted to touch on them because I was being asked a lot about them. So, no problem. Hopefully, we answered uh, th- those questions. Um, Kevin, you got anything besides stuffing your face uh, with this sandwich? And you got something? You saving that for later? <laughs> got nothing, Mark. All right. <laughs> you crack me up when Dom was talking. He's like. He's got that, you know, weird face, and he's just putting the sandwich in his mouth. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why you were smiling, and then I looked over, and there, Kevin with his food. That's exact. I waited for it. I've had that sitting there for a while. I waited for Dom to be, have to talk about something that he really wanted to talk about. Well, I hope, I hope it's stale. <laughs> no, it's fresh. Yeah. All right. Speaking of fresh, nice segues, by the way, today, guys. Um, uh, Steve Conroy of the uh, Boston Herald wrote a tremendous article recently. I think it was either yesterday or it came up this morning. Uh, he sat down with uh, head coach, new head coach of the Boston Bruins, Jim Montgomery. And um, I, I, it was a fantastic read. Steve's a great guy. I've, I've met him several times. We always say hello to each other at the Warrior when we do happen to see each other. Um, and uh, really got a, a real sense of how Jim's going to construct or, or look at the upcoming roster as he becomes the new Bruins head coach. Um, and I'm not going to talk about the complete article, but I did want to just take away a couple of things that I noticed uh, in there. Um, Montgomery, he says he's uh, excited for a few players who might be ready to turn a corner. Uh, without being on the ice yet, it's hard to tell, but through conversations about how they are thinking mentally. I think Jake DeBrusque is a player that the Bruins need, and he wants to go from being an everyday consistent player to an everyday impactful player, said Montgomery. I see players like Trent Frederick becoming more every night impactful player, understanding his role. The eagerness in their voices to become more. I've heard that um, from guys like Mike Riley and Derek Forbert as well. Brandon Carlo jumps off that page. My conversations with Jeremy Swayman have been incredibly positive in my sense or how eager they are to get better as professionals. Uh, Montgomery plans to have tweaks to the defensive system, but Montgomery will stick to the zone system that he has been that has been a Bruins mainstay for a decade and a half. That's a little concerning to me. But anyway, um, Montgomery also uh, in the uh, article from Steve Conroy, and I'll put the uh, this article in the show notes as well, so uh, our listeners and uh, YouTube uh, viewers can read uh, Steve's fantastic work. But Montgomery also broke down the responsibilities of his staff. Uh, new assistant John Gruden will uh, handle the defense and power play. Joe Sacco will handle the penalty kill and forward development while also serving as a, a sounding board for the Bruins' defensive system. Uh, the zone system, I know how it works, but he he's lived it for decades. Um, so he's someone I'm going to uh, lean on heavily there, said Montgomery. Uh, Chris Kelly will also will focus on face-offs, forward puck 
protection and handle the pre-scouts. Uh, he also he plans to uh, keep all three assistants on the bench and have goalie Bob uh, as the eye in the sky. Um, so, first takeaways from that obviously is the is the high praise uh, that he's uh, given Jake Debraska on the upcoming year um, under a new voice and and hopefully you know a new goal for for Jake. You know I think that Jake had a um, a coming out year after uh, after you know, giving a trade request and then rescinding it later on. But his second half was so much better. So I expect him to have a big year. Um, and, and what he said about Trent Frederick, I think, is, is, is positive as well. And if we can get more out of Trent, um, and I, I know the skill sets there. I saw it in the, uh, in the US, um, U.S. development program. I've seen it at, at Wisconsin and Providence. I really want to see – I really want it to get it going at the NHL level. So – uh, there's some pretty cool things that he was saying about that. But one thing, like I said, uh, is, is the, um, the zone, the zone system. I think that's going to change somewhat soon, but it is what it is. What are your thoughts on what um, Montgomery said? Um, I want to push back just a little bit on his comments about DeBrusque. And it, it's not because I don't think he can be an impactful player. It's, it's his wording. Um, he said he he's DeBrusque wants to go from an everyday consistent player to an everyday impactful player. I need to see him get to that everyday consistent player first, because I don't think he is an everyday consistent player. Uh, throughout his career so far, he has taken a half a season off and he has just absolutely gone on fire in that second half of the season. That's what I've seen from Jake DeBrusque other than that COVID season. But I write that off completely. I don't even count that. That's nothing to me. Um, So I want to see him put in a full effort for an entire season. If he can be an impactful player that entire time, great. But I just want to see the, I just want to see the work ethic. I want to see him, um, you know, consistently being a good player on both sides of the puck all year long. That's what I want to see out of DeBrusque. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with Kevin there, but um, for the most part, I th- I think once he got moved to the top line with uh, Bergeron and Marchand, we did see a consistent DeBrusque. And yes, let's face it, if you're going to play with those two, you better be busting your ass off because they mm-hmm. will not put up with anything less. And I, I, I know we're going to talk about our lineups in a bit, but, uh, you know, I said it on the last podcast or two podcasts ago um, with the injury to Marshan to start the season. I'm not moving Jake, Jake DeBrusque from the right side. If he's going to be the right wing on that line, um, leave him there. Don't start moving around, moving him around because – uh, we all know that if you start to mess with Jake's head, you're not going to get consistent Jake. No, that is so true. <laughs> I do agree with you on the fact that once he got moved to that line playing with those players last season, we did see a very consistent everyday player in DeBrusque. Now I want to see that for 82 games, and I hope we do get to see it. Um, and like, But like I said, Kevin, when you're playing with Bergie and Marshy, if you're anything but consistent, you're going to know about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no passengers on that line. No. Yep. 
But um, all in all, I, 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 I love what I'm hearing, you know, out of new head coach Jim Montgomery. I think um, he's really going to be able to put these players in a spot to succeed. And I'm really excited to see how he does it and how it pans out. Really excited. Now, the the other thing, too, is the zone defense. I was worried that they were going to go to man-to-man. So we're going to be in disagreement here a little bit, Mark, because I don't think they have the horses to play man-to-man coverage, uh, both on defense and, and up front. Derek Forbert is not the type of skater to be a man-on-man defensive player. Matt Krizlik, while he has the skating, doesn't have the strength. Uh, Brandon Carlo, um, you know, the skating's there. I'd say the positioning's there as well. Yeah. I have to see him become Brandon Carlo of old before I'm confident enough in him being a man-on-man coverage because, (coughs) excuse me, last season he did make some boneheaded decisions. And when you're playing a man-on-man coverage, you can't afford that. So um, I'm kind of glad to to hear that they're going to stick to his own defense. And the players know the system. Yeah, The coaching staff know the system. The goaltenders know the system. It's just Jim Montgomery and John Gruden are the only ones that don't. Sounds like they're putting in all the effort to learn it. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, Dom, and, and I totally agree with you too, my friend. Um, and where, where I want to see change more or less is like, if you're going to be a zone and not man to man, you have to have better gap control. You know, you, you just, you, you have to just have a little more intelligence in, on the back end and, and, you know, read the plays a little bit better and, and just, you know, there's so many times in so many years, I've seen this so many times that, you know, everybody seems like they're going for the puck where they're leaving the, the a guy wide open up front. You know, it's just don't stop doing that and it'll be a lot better and you won't have to go man to man. I think Gruden is really going to help in that, though. I, really I, believe, do. Yeah, I believe so. And you look at both of these coaches on the bench that are coming up in their first years as as, as Bruins coaches. Um I think that the message is just going to be that more clear to the players. I, 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 I'm not saying that um, them two being here is going to equal a Stanley Cup. What I'm saying is, is it's positive things moving forward. You're getting fresh voices. Uh, you, players are now going to be more apt to like, you know, do these things and not hear a stale message anymore. Um, it, I think it's all going to be good, and it's going to take time. I mean, yeah. like I said, nothing is going to come easily this season, especially in October, November, and December, where some of these players that you really heavily rely on, whether they be a forward like Marshan, whether they be a defenseman like McAvoy, out of the lineup are going to be challenges for for a first coach and, and his assistant to really buckle down and try to get into their heads to say, we need that next man up mentality. We got to move with that, you know, and and just be competitive until these guys get back, and then we can start in December really putting the things together to really chase and lock down, uh, you know, a wild card spot or a sixth spot in the freaking conference. So those are kind of my expectations, but I'm looking yeah. forward to I'm looking forward to these two on the bench and how they can translate that message and and really get the best out of every player. Why don't we hear from uh, show sponsor, betonline.ag. 
And uh, we will uh, talk on the other side. We have a couple more topics we're going to go through. So the hockey talk, the Boston Bruins hockey talk keeps going here. So uh, let's hear from Bet Online, and uh, we'll be back. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline.ag continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to the betonline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, Beast fans, we are back. We just heard from show sponsor, betonline.ag. Please use that code CLNS50. It does us a great deal of service, and we truly appreciate everybody that does that. And We also want to mention we would like to see you all bet safely. Do not do anything crazy where you lose your whole paycheck, but do it do it in moderation. Let's put it that way. Um, we are back, and um, uh, Kevin a couple weeks ago uh, brought up the idea of uh, doing a little um, – uh, Boston Bruins 2022-23 lineup and um, our preferred lineup. So we all three of us did our lineup. So uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and talk about how this was all how this all came about? Well, we were just talking about how we would like to see the lineups constructed, and there's a lot of different ways you could do it. So I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'd like Dom to start here because I feel like him and I agree on our preferred lineup mark may as well but i would like that lineup to be out of the way so dom if you want to give your lineup well i'm going to start with line 1b that's david krejci in the middle taylor hall on the left and david pasternak on the right uh line 1a of course is patrice bergeron in the middle jake debrusque on the right i've given my opinion about not moving him and Pavel Zaka to start there uh, once Marchand returns. Uh, line three, we'll have Charlie Coyle in the middle, Craig Smith on the right, and Trent Frederick on the left until Marchand returns. Then uh, Zaka will move into that three left wing spot. <coughs> uh, line four... Okay, here's where we're probably going to disagree. I put A.J. Greer on left wing, uh, Nosek in the middle, and Oscar Steen on the right uh, with Jack Stanika and Nick Felino being your extra forwards. Um, when Marshan returns, uh, Greer goes down to Providence. You know, I just don't see the Bruins waving uh, Nick Felino and sending him down. I just can't see them doing it to him. I could see a scenario where Stadnika could outperform Nosek in camp and get the 4C spot. 
Uh, but you eventually want a line of Frederick, Stadnika, and Steen as your fourth line. I don't know. Um, but let's stick with the forward groups for now. We'll do the defensive pairs afterwards. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we we do we do agree in a lot of areas. The the only differences I have is on my fourth line to start, I have Felino, Studnika, and Steen. So there's my difference for the fourth line. And my only other difference is I know you said Hall, Krejci, and Pasanak were your one B. To start the season, yeah, uh, yeah, they're the one. And depending they're- on how they do, depending on how well they do, and how Martian is when it comes to um, coming off his double hip surgery, and this and that, and how Bergeron and DeBrusque are doing together, it could stay the same even when all, when all is healthy. That's just yeah, the only. And difference. we had that discussion before. I actually put it on Twitter. And several hundred people voted, and 65% said the Bergie line is the number one line. Well, how do you determine what line is the first line and what line is the, the second line? You know, if you go by points alone, I think the Krejci line can outproduce the Bergeron line. Mark, what's yours? All right, so I did mine a little, little weird, but... I'm hopefully you guys can follow. Uh, so uh, this is my healthy lineup. Uh, Bergeron centering, DeBrusque on the right, Marshan on the left, obviously. Krejci centering, Pasternak on the right, Hall on the left. Coyle centering, Smith and Zaka. Smith on the right, Zaka on the left. Uh, no six centering, Steen on the right, and Frederick on the left. That's my healthy. It's the start of the season lineup, I put, I, I did a little extracurricular. I have Bergeron centering DeBrusque on the right and Hall slash Zaka because both of them could possibly fit in there under a Montgomery system. Uh, Krejci centering Pasternak and Zaka if if that, you know, because everything's going to move up with uh, Marshan not around. Uh, the third line, Coyle centering Jack Stadnika and Trent Frederick on the left. And uh, my fourth line, uh, Nosek, uh, with Steen on the right and a slash Vinny Letary. Kind of weird. And uh, on the on the left, I do have Felino and slash Yuna Kopanen. Maybe. So where's, where's Smith in your healthy, in your lineup in my, to start? In the start of the season? Is yeah. he traded? Traded. Traded. Okay. That's 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 the only way I, I honestly see Jack getting in the lineup full time and not being that rotationary uh, forward like you mentioned on your lineup to 13 and 14 uh, forward. So um, I don't know. It's kind of it was kind of a, an interesting thing to sit down most of the day yesterday and go through these lineups. But, you know, it was fun. OK, interesting. I, I did put together one other lineup to start the season because I knew that we were going to agree on mostly everything when it came to, you know, the preferred lineup. But I wanted to throw another lineup at you guys that incorporates that duo aspect that, you know, we come to love. And that lineup would be your uh, first line being Zaka, Bergeron, Pasternak. Your second line being Hall, Krejci, DeBrusque. Your third line, Frederick Coyle-Smith. And then the fourth line, Foligno, Studney, Castine. I knew Dom wouldn't because it takes DeBrusque away from Bergeron and his spot where he wants him to be. Yeah, I just uh, – honestly, I do not miss, mess with the kid's head. 
Uh, we've seen what happens with DeBrusque when things are not where they should be with him and you lose him for a season. The way I validated it in my mind is you're keeping DeBrusque on the right side. You're pairing him with Krejci, who, he's, who he has had success with, and you're giving him Taylor Hall, who has a very speedy type of game similar to DeBrusque that could mesh well. Okay, but here, here's the thing. The reason why De, DeBrusque works with Bergeron and Marshan, and, and I touched briefly about it on the last podcast, is with, with Bergeron and Marshan, you, you don't have – the offensive zone becomes wide open. You don't have a left wing, a right wing, and a center. They move around that much. With Taylor Hall, he's an up-and-down winger. He basically stays to his side and and does his left-wing job. Granted, DeBrusque has chemistry with, with Krejci or has had it in the past, but has he ever had it on the right side with David Krejci? So I agree with everything you just said, but my only pushback is going to be <coughs> – DeBrusque isn't going to be on a line with Bergeron and Marchand to start the season. He's gonna he'd have Zaka there on that left side. Now, who knows how Zaka is gonna play that left side? Is he gonna play it up and down, or is he gonna no, play he it doesn't. all over the place? Zaka is a north, south, east, west player. He's not gonna be a north, south like Taylor Hall is. So he's gonna be more of like a Marchand type positioning guy when it comes to yeah. how he's playing the left. Okay, so. Yeah. All right, but I'm glad that we all agree on our number one preferred. I just wanted to yeah. throw this one out there as another option that maybe they could look at if, say, the preferred lineup wasn't working out. All right, so defense. Yep. All right, so I'll go first. My healthy defense is obviously um, Lindholm and McAvoy. My top pairing, second pairing is going to be Grizzlick and Carlo. Um, the third pairing on the healthy lineup. I have either Zaboral or Forbert uh, on the left and um, Zaboral or Clifton on the right. And I'm probably missing somebody. But that's that's my healthy defense. Uh, I'm going to agree with that. To, to start the season, I have Lindholm Zaboral, which is uh, intriguing to me. I have uh, a Grizzlick and For- – I'm sorry, I have a Forbert and Carlo – and um, if Riley's not ready to start the year, I, I know he probably will be, but I have um, uh, Sean and Connor Clifton, third pairing. And again, I'm probably missing somebody. <laughs> yeah, there's so many of them. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's why it makes too much sense to me that whoever goes to make the cap space has got to be someone from the defense. Yeah. It's just too many of them. There's too many NHL defensemen. And the only the only reason why I put Ashan in there is is for the fact is that if Riley can't go at the beginning of the year, that's a a pretty decent option right there, and you can fit him into some kind yep. of power play or penalty kill, whatever. Do you want to go next on, or do you want me to? Yeah, well, no, you go ahead, bud. Okay, so my I'll start with my unhealthy first, which would be Lindholm, Zaboral, Riley, Carlo, Fulbert, Clifton. And then my healthy defense is Linho McAvoy, 
Zaboro Carlo for Bort Clifton. And I have both, maybe not both, but one of, well, I have Grizzly traded. Okay. I have Grizzly traded. And that's because in my mind, I think Zaboro is going to take a huge step forward and prove he is a top four defenseman. In I feel game. it. I feel you. Um, I'm going to agree with your unhealthy. <laughs> is it, that because of the sandwich? <laughs> no. That Well, don't forget, I mentioned Zaboral starting on the top pair on the right weeks ago on this show. So, <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, I, I, you know, I have no argument with that. I can't for the life of me figure out to, what to do with this defense when healthy. I agree with Lindholm McAvoy as your top pair. Obviously. Uh, I, I agree with Carlo on the right side, on the second pair. I can see Zaboral on the left side, but I can also see Mark Mike Riley on the left side. Mm-hmm. And and then Forbert and 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 either Zaboral if he's not on the second pair with Carlo. Or Clifton. Mm-hmm. So, do you have Grizzly traded as well? I I don't see any other option. I really don't. Me neither. Me neither. I think he fetches you the highest, um, the highest return as well. Once he comes back healthy, yeah. I think you can get a second. Uh, well, you know, we talked about this. I think you can get a second pick for him, second round pick. Yeah. Even if you retain a million dollars or seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars on that contract, you can get. A good return for him, you know. I I think for teams to be interested in them that that lack the cap space, you're going to have to have to retain a little bit on his salary. Yeah, hopefully his injury history doesn't um, you know do much to any of that trade value. It's unfortunate yep. that Maddie's been just really um, the bad luck with the recent injuries, shoulder. Uh, lower body and so on, but you know he's a, he's a warrior. He's you know a good old Boston kid and so on. But you know when you when you're a business and you know you're a sports franchise that needs to trim cap space and 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 create roster spots. I mean it it, it logically it does make sense to move him. A lot of the times I don't want to move, uh, particularly this off season, is I don't want to move anything on the defense quite yet because I don't. Although the eye test showed that. The defense wasn't great last year, but if you look at the underlying numbers, they were ranked as one of the higher higher teams defensively, and that includes goaltending as well. So, um, you know, I, I would trim the fat on the on the forward. I'd still see Smith being moved, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm just going LTIR on either McAvoy or Martian or both, however they want to do it. And, um, you know, because Grizzlick is going to be ready to go and back um, before those two. So at that point, that's where you make your decision on where you want to trim your fat. And I just think it's got to be from the defense. There's just too many. I mean, because when you think about when all, when all is healthy, you're going to have, let's say all is healthy. And let's say they don't trade a single player off of that defense. You're looking at Linholm, McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, and then Fulbort, and who we've already seen that Fulbort and Riley doesn't work, you know, with, with Riley on the right side, that didn't really stand out to me as a, as an option. And then, so he's sitting automatically. 
And then you have Zaboral and Clifton now fighting for that bottom pairing slot. I mean, I guess it would be good to have that type of depth on defense. But then again, the forward group last season for me, for a lot of parts of the season, was the area where they were lacking a lot of depth. And I think Craig Smith adds a ton of depth. And I don't know if I want to see him taken off the roster. Okay, let me throw this tough. Let me throw this one at you guys. Because when healthy, they've got eight NHL defensemen. And we know the Bruins <laughs> like to carry eight defensemen because injuries are going to happen. But if Jack Sean can prove to be the eighth defenseman, I know it's not a lot of money. He's a UFA at the end of the season. Uh, but, you know, in, in this business, every little penny counts. And if you can... Obviously, they're going to waive Wagner. Uh, if Stednika makes a case, you can waive Nosek. How about trading uh, Connor Clifton and his $1 million salary, and you're now cap compliant, and you have uh, Lindholm, McAvoy, Grizzlick, Carlo, and either Riley and Forbert with Zaboral on the right? That is intriguing in itself. Something... Because- Let's not forget, Zaboral was good enough to take Clifton out of the lineup yep. at different points over the last two years. Yep. yep. <laughs> Just got to make sure Zaboral can stay healthy. That's much like Matty Grizzlick. Much like Matty Grizzlick. Yep. So that's where it's tough, too. That's why I wouldn't mind them seeing, seeing them move on from a guy like Grizzlick. Not because I think he's a bad player. I think he's a good number four, number five guy to have on your team. But it's the health for me. What is it going to look like? You know, I, I, you maybe could say the same about Lindholm, maybe not to the same extent. But, I mean, he's a, he's such a good player that you wouldn't even think about touching him. No. Um, it's just – it's tough. I mean, Carlo, he's had his issues. So there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to keep – a good amount of defensemen around in case of situations that may arise, but you can almost say the same thing about, you know, the offense. It's, it's, um, it, it's tough, but I like your idea of Clifton. Um, I do because it, it, it makes sense, but I, I want to see Zaboral stay healthy first before I even think of moving on from Clifton, who can be a quality bottom pairing guy on your right side for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired of them overpaying for, you know, your fourth liners or your bottom pair defensemen. And let's face it, Clifton deserves a raise. Um, so, but how much are you willing to give them? You know, it's like... The, the Nothing over line, two? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but is that enough when you're... Is that too much when you're carrying Forbert and Riley at $3 million a piece? Like, that's... It, definitely. Yeah, so... <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's an option. I like the idea, though, of uh, of how to uh, create cap space, uh, Dom, by w- what you just said. And if you could uh, uh, write down your pairings and send that in a in a tw- uh, Twitter DM, I'd like to really investigate a little bit further into that. I like the uh, the idea of Ashan and and being in place, but and Clifton being, um, you know, one of the departures just to get that cap space to work. <laughs> I like that idea. I think Jack Ashan could easily prove that he can play at the NHL level this season. I mean, he already kind of did 
you know, he already showed a lot. Um, you know, having uh, a summer to continue to grow and then a full training camp and preseason, um, I, I think he can be a quality player for this team, whether that's as a seventh or eighth defenseman or that's being in the lineup. So uh, there's a lot to like about where this team is heading. Um, it's just how are they going to piece it together, and I'm just excited to see how it happens. Exactly. Since we're talking about the lineup, we might as well just uh, bring this uh, topic uh, that we were going to discuss, but it's the great goaltending debate. And uh, why don't we just talk about uh, Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman as your tandem for the upcoming season. Um, one thing that is um, a lot of Bruins fans, and I know it's the it's a shiny new toy theory and so on. And, and yes, Jeremy Swayman did show uh, some – promise in his first full year in the uh, in the National Hockey League um, but I still don't want to and it's not that I don't trust him and it's not that I don't think he's good enough and so on but I don't think that at this particular time in his age and the way he's developed continues to develop that he should be the guy that's going to give you 70 75 games a season a lot of Bruins fans are really uh are up on this saying that he should be the legit one a and I kick back all the time. I think that what happened last season, the Boston Bruins have in the one a and one B proved tremendously in their year. Goaltending was not the problem. Uh, 41, 41 for this upcoming season. I could see them both doing that same thing again. And hopefully Jim Montgomery understands that as well, that I, I just think that the way they both work together and, you know, it, obviously it's going to come down to who had the better season and who's ready for the playoffs. But during the regular season, I'd like to see him split again because I think it really worked uh, to everybody's benefit. If, I think if, Mon- Montgomery is going to, much like Bruce Cassidy did, is going to leave the bulk of the decision-making to Bob Asenza. Uh, you know, they have a goaltending coach for a reason. It's not always the head coach that makes the, I mean, the head coach has the final say, but you know, Jim Montgomery or Bruce Cassidy were not goaltenders. Bob Ascends is the goaltender. He's the one who reads who's going and who's not going. And it's not just based on the last game. It's based on practice, uh, their work ethic and practice, everything. Um, now, in ter- you know, you, you mentioned 70, 75 games. I, I don't think 60 games is possible with Swayman, let alone 70 or 75. I, I have yet to see anything that says he's capable of 50 games. <laughs> so every single NHL team, with the exception of Las Vegas, because they don't have any goalies right now, <laughs> um, is trending towards pretty much an even split between your two goaltenders. The days of Glenn Hall playing 566 consecutive games or whatever it was, it's long gone. We're not going to see that ever again. Yep. Yeah. The league's definitely trending into, into one, a one B and obviously trying to keep a cap friendly. I mean, the Boston Bruins right now are coming into next season with uh, their goaltending at uh, under $6 million. Right. And, and that's so, fantastic. 
I I see all people that want to move Allmark. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I just don't comment on it because I don't want to get into Twitter arguments. But who's your backup, or who's your one B if you move Allmark? Yeah, King Kincaid. Yeah, that's what they're excited about. <laughs> but um, no, when you talk about the whole 70, 75 game thing, if there's Bruins fans out there who truly think that, then they must think that uh, Jeremy Swayman is as good or better than the likes of Vasilevsky, Heliabuck, um, uh, Shesterkin, you know, these guys. He's not near there. He's not. And it's uh, it's – it's crazy to me that yeah. someone would say Jeremy Swayman should get, you know, even like Dom said, 60 games, you know, like it's, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's not there yet. He has stuff to work on still. He's still a young goaltender. Um, it, if you had to ask me today who my starting goaltender would be for opening night, I don't have anything to go on other than the last things that I saw in that Carolina series. And I guess it would be Swayman just based off of that series, but it's not because Elmark played bad. It's just, I saw him as the goaltender who let it out. Yeah. So game one would go to Swayman for me right now, but I need to see preseason. I need to see the camp. I need to see how that all goes before I make a determination on who's the, the uh, night one starter. I look at it like this one of the best goalies in Boston Bruins history. What is the most number of games he started in a season? Oh, we taking a guess here? I'm going to say 62. I honestly don't know the answer. I don't have it in front of me. I don't either. I know it. I know he did have a really up. high number, but then as he aged into his career, those numbers went down. As you're looking it up, I do want to remind folks that, um, um, uh, Andrew Raycroft on the Morning Brew Hockey Podcast brought up a very valid point, and it was so spot on, and I, I continue to say this. But if Tuka Rask was healthy, um, he probably could have gotten one road win in that series. I got the answer for you. What is it? Is it 62? Seven. It is. 70. He had 71 season, and that's when uh, What's-His-Face was mm, back up. That was games uh, played, not started. Later on in the end. I'm saying, like, the, the Bruins didn't have a backup when <laughs> when Rask started 67 games. Right? No, who did um, they have? They had Kadobin. They had Hanu Toivinen. Chris, uh, no, at that time was um, the Swede, was it not? Oh, uh, Svedberg, Fedback, yeah, Svedberg, yeah, Svedberg. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's your answer. Like, who's who's your one B, guys? Kyle Kaiser, Keith Kincaid, yeah. Brandon Boosie, like, Callum Booth, <laughs> Francois Brassard. Yeah, I don't think Callum Booth is coming back with Brassard signed. Reed Dick. <laughs> 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 all right this is getting off the rails let's bring it back in here um <laughs> he'd stand tall in that yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> yeah. be hard support. to get the putt past Bruins, Bruins goaltending <laughs> would go from six to midnight real quick 
All right. Um, speaking of six to midnight, and wait, and one more go hard goal, hard goalie to beat. <laughs> Gross. Continue. All right. Um, one thing that uh, can't be beat is how crazy this Boston Bruins fan um, nation can be at times, and um, especially when media puts something out there, uh, things get taken way out of context in many ways, but. Um, per a Czech media outlet, uh, David Pasternak said something, and I don't have it in front of me because my computer is slow, but so if anybody could help me out, I would truly appreciate that. I'll try. Well, the screen behind me says it all. <laughs> I'm okay. Googling it, Dom. <laughs> now, you, you know that I'm a f- big fan of using Google, especially with the number of questions I get asked where – the simple answer is, you know, just Google it. The information is on your fingertips. What I am not a fan of is Google Translate, uh, where it took his words and the the translation came up with the word regret when the actual meaning was sad that the Bruins haven't won uh while he's been there haven't won a cup he doesn't regret it he was sad about it and that's the problem with using google translate is you don't always get a true translation i have the actual rough translation quote (coughs) okay um do we check (laughs) now now i'm going into my ninth season and I haven't won anything yet. Time flies, and I regret it every year. That is the rough translation. Right. Now take out that word. And replace this, it with this, sad, no problem. Time yeah. flies, and I sad it every year. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, this this happens all the time, um, especially in the offseason when, when players are – I mean, this happened in the – previous David Pasternak contract that went right up to training camp. Him and McAvoy were pretty much holding out, holding out, and then bam, it made it happen. So, uh, And even back then, um, something was said in the uh, Czech media about uh, him not signing and so on. So, I mean, I just think that a lot of people took this out of context and, you know, it happens. But, you know, I, I I don't see anything happening to David. I think that it still is going to be a deal that's going to be done. I don't think that Pasternak hanging out with David Krejci during the world championships and, and practically, you know, hanging on to his ankle saying, come back to Boston as he, as, as, as Krejci's dragging them down the street, um, all that effort and, you know, and all these uh, Instagram videos and pictures and so on are all for nothing. I, I, I think that David's going to be here. I think he's going to sign a, a decent deal. I'm, I'm moving my number. I'd love, love to see him at eight million, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be north of of uh, nine nine five. So uh, hopefully, you know, something gets done because he is a he is a, a goal scorer. He is our our, our weapon, and um, you know, we need him around for that point production because he's a uh, he's pretty much the only forty goal scorer we have on this club. Well, the thing out of the Steve Conroy article that, that we touched on earlier was uh, Montgomery said uh, that he spoke with Pasternak um, 
you know, I, I suggest everybody go read it because I, I don't want to give all the information out here. Go read it. It's a really, really good piece written by Steve. But, um, you know, when Montgomery was asked whether Pasternak will play with, uh, with Krejci and Pasternak's response was like what you expect from David Pasternak. Now I have two good centers to play with. Right. Exactly. That's not a guy that uh, sounds like he's regretting being here. That sounds like a guy who's happy and excited for the upcoming season. Um, You know, he's just sad that they haven't won a championship yet. Yep. Even if the rough translation that was seen there for me to read is exactly what was said, even if that's what was said, I'm still not worried. He's a hockey player who wants to win a Stanley Cup. Every single player in this league wants to win a Stanley Cup. He didn't say, the rough translation didn't say, time flies and I regret being a Bruin every single year. That goes by. He, that, it's just, I regret maybe not, um, you know, putting myself to that next level to be able to win that cup. You know, being able to put right, it on my back, you know. The and, only issue I have with that, Kevin, is you're using the Google Translate, which is not the right translation. I know, I know. People I'm saying think, if that yeah. was the exact yeah. translation, I'm still not worried. People from Chechia have translated it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over the internet. The actual meaning of what he said is that he is sad they haven't won anything yet. Yeah, and that's that's all fine. I was just saying, even if that was the actual translation, you know, it, that the comment just doesn't read to me. I don't want to be a Boston Bruin. It no, just doesn't. But matter. you know, you know, there's a lot of negativity with a small percentage of the fan base in Boston. They're larger by the day. <laughs> yeah, and and they will take anything like that and run with it and the right information or not. And they're going to keep feeding that information out there. I don't worry about it either. I think, I think there's going to be a deal done and everybody would be happy, 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 happy. So do so, I. I, I heard you. Go ahead. No, I even broke down what I think the contract's going to look like. So, yeah. Now I heard you say, Mark, you know, you'd like to see him at 8 million. Um, but you believe it's going to be north of nine, around 9.5, as Dom does. <laughs> um, I, I could totally see it being that, too. But I think if it goes anything above that 9.5 mark into that, you know, even the upper nines into that 10 area, you don't do it. I like Pasternak. I do. I really like Pasternak. I like his game. But I'm not paying him more than McAvoy. I don't even want to pay him the same amount. I think I think he's got to be able to make either a little bit less or right around that nine point five where you walk away. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, Kevin. The Bruins have always had—I don't want to call it an internal cap because uh, they always spend to the cap, but they have a a salary structure that they want to use. It goes all the way back to Harry Sinden and Ray Bork. Ray Bork was always going to be the highest paid player on the Boston Bruins, no matter what. 
you know, you had Big Z and you had uh, Patrice Bergeron and you had David Krejci. Now, Krejci uh, made more than Patrice Bergeron for a while, but the way the salary was structured was a little because of bonuses and and lost seasons was a little bit more beneficial to Bergeron. Uh, But I think Charlie McAvoy is the guy this time. It's like, look, Here's our salary structure. Nobody's going to make more than Charlie McAvoy. Yep. And the Bruins have always operated like that in the cap world. Um, where do we go from here? Because I, I have everything checked off that was on our agenda, or on my agenda at least. Well, we could sing happy birthday to Frederick Brunet, but... <laughs> nah, nah. I'll take a clip of the old drunken sailor thing that we did a couple weeks ago, and and I'll I'll put it on the end of this. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. No, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But anyway, happy oh. birth- happy birthday to the uh, the uh, the Bruins prospect. Dom, are you feeling lucky? Am I feeling lucky? Yeah. Uh, not today, but go ahead, make my day. <laughs> Well, I'm just reading your background. Yeah. Reading my background. Yeah, right beside you. It says I'm feeling lucky. It does? Yeah, it does. Right it under sure Google. Does. Oh, Google. Google <laughs> saying that, not me. <laughs> so uh, what other Bruins news do you think is going to trickle out over the next week? Do you think we're going to see anything, Dom? Um, I don't think we're going to see anything happen till, in terms of roster movement till. Till the season starts. I think we're going to see a couple more invites to the prospects challenge. They're going to need to. They need to fill out a roster. <clears throat> I'm curious to see who they bring in. And, uh, you know, we'll probably be able to do a whole show just on them. Because I, I think I think we're going to have a handful of invites. I, there, There's not much. I mean, their front office... Uh, Staff is is all in place now. Their scouting staff is all in place. Uh, they their players are all in place. Um, you know they actually have to move some out. So I, I think they're in a good position. And decisions are still going to be over a month away. On be over two two months away. Yeah. Um, one thing that you know maybe in a future episode, Mark is talk about the Providence Bruins because you talk about too many bodies in Boston. Yeah. There's a lot of bodies in Providence and how they're going to deal with that. And I'll t- I, I always kind of pump up the Providence Bruins roster. Like last season, I was like, it is, it's, it's going to be exciting and so on. And it kind of sucked on how it ended because of the injuries and so on. But when you look at the, at the, at the, um, the roster on paper, as of right now, just an off season look, I'm excited. I'm excited again because you're going to see the Jersey McCulloughs. Uh, Samuel Asseline is coming back, and um, Brandon Boosie uh, could possibly, you know, challenge Kyle Kaiser to be that backup, or or is he off to you know uh, Maine? There's a lot of interesting things that are going on. How Vinny uh, Terry is going to fit in as a as a um, as a veteran in the American Hockey League and so on, and. I think Ryan Mujanel in his upcoming year, which was his, his second uh, straight year uh, as the uh, Bruins head coach, is is got something really 
good to work with right now. But you're right. There's a lot of players that are still fighting for jobs at that particular level that are going to either stick in uh, American Hockey League, Providence Bruins training camp, or they're going to be filtered down to Maine, which is not a bad thing either. But, um, you know, it, for continued valuation, it's good to have these players involved in the minor pro system. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to spending a lot more time down in Providence. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting more player and coach interactions and not these um, ridiculous Zoom um, meetings and so on. I, I really want to get back to, like, in, interviewing, you know, player, player, coach and coach and so on, getting in the scrums again. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I'm ready for Providence and yeah, I think that's a great idea. We, we should look at the, uh, the, an idea of what we uh, could get in the Providence Bruins, uh, lineup. And that might be an article that I take on this week. If, uh, if I have time, I might even write one up and then we'll talk about it next week. If that's something you want to do, or maybe the week after whatever. Uh, yeah, Tom, uh, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. You talked about camp invites. Do you think any of those camp invites will be Brian Gianta, Lee Stimniak, or Miroslav Satan? And why is your answer no? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I was referring to rookie camp, but it, it's funny that you mentioned that. I still can't for the life of me figure out why they signed – J.D. Greenway to a PTO when he was already under AHL contract. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Mark's theory. I have no idea. This one blew me away. I, I I was like, why are you doing that? You already have the guy in the system. Why? And under contract. PTO? And under contract. Yeah. I, I mean, bring, bringing, him to, bringing him to training camp shouldn't have been via that particular avenue. You could have just had him there. Why, why bring him in on a PTO? Yeah, but here's, uh, here's, a, here's another theory, too, is I don't know if many people knew this, but if you went to development camp, he was traditionally working out all week, a lot of the week, as a forward. Yeah, but that, that should have nothing to do with his contract situation. It, it, for him to sign a PTO, he would have to agree to get out of his AHL contract. The only way you can sign a PTO with an NHL team. My understanding was this was a Boston Bruin PTO, not a Providence Bruin PTO. Okay. So um, I don't know if this was just a way for the Bruins to get out of the contract. Like I, I just, I just don't understand it. Um, you know, because like you said, they could have just brought him up for, for camp. There's right. no need to sign a PTO. So I don't yeah, know. I'm yeah, that dumbfounded was by that. Dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> but th- no, hold on. To go to back to your question, though, Kevin, is since we're all nostalgic with the Milan Luch stuff, how about signing Phil Kessel to a PTO? Do you think maybe the G- J.D. Greenway getting out of his contract is a way to open up some space to maybe bring back Louis Erickson? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> I liked you when you were stuffing sandwiches in your face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. What do you think, Don? Uh, 
when when uh, when I want Kevin to shut up, <laughs> I think I think of Reed Dick. <laughs> oh Jesus! Here we um, go. <laughs> I don't no. have anything witty to come back with. Oh wow! That's Louis Erickson retired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for now. <laughs> no, but I would bring Phil Kessel in on a PTO. That How many hot dogs do you think it would take? Oh, Jesus. 33. <laughs> 33. <laughs> yeah. That's quite the number. Now, are they already dressed with relishing other condiments, or are they bare for him to do what he wish wishes with? They're bare for him to do what he wishes with them. <laughs> do you think All he right. would share any with Reed Dick? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> This is going uh, off the rails. I'm yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> the agenda is almost over, and we're just reaching by this point. I love it, though. You guys are amazing. All right. What do you think? You guys want to call it a show? I don't know. What do the fans want? Let's take a vote. Well, we Let's can't wrap it up like a read dick. There's no, there's no interaction. But speaking of interaction, if you're uh, still listening at this point, uh, we do have that um, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast listener hotline. Uh, please call 978-504-2727 to get involved. Uh, leave us a brief voicemail, and I'll use that recording, and we'll put it onto uh, next week's program. I know Mike Sullivan, uh, black and gold writer, he did dial in, and I forgot to uh, upload that audio, so I'll save it for next week. But um want to get more uh, phone calls and so on. I know Maria from Watertown wants to get involved in some of that stuff, and I hope hopefully she does, so... Uh, it's a fun way of interacting. And also the Discord a link will be provided in the show notes below. So, um, Mark, can you repeat that number slowly? 978-504-2727. Slower for Dom, please. No, I got it. He's, he's he calling. just typed it into his flip phone. He's calling. <laughs> He literally just typed it into his flip. He's muted, so he's talking. He's probably going to say something about me eating a sandwich or, <laughs> you know, something along those lines, you know. Uh, I can't wait to listen to it later, though. All right, he's off the phone, and he's back. I didn't mute anything. I just stored it in my phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, that was a lot of fun. Um, I do know that Georgi Merkulov is going to listen to this episode, so hopefully um, – he will call in and leave a question for us for next week. Yeah, he's going to ask why you say his name the way you do. Oh, uh, you should you should see how the uh, how it came out in text. <laughs> it <laughs> Yolanda Gmail comes off, and I'm just wondering what Kevin is going to have to eat today. Yeah, Yolanda Gmail. <laughs> wow, who's who's Yolanda? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea either. It's just the way the text was written on the phone. So, but anyway, years, fifty years ago, I went to school with a girl named Yolanda. Yeah, I'm a Twitter friend. I have a Twitter friend named Yolanda. That All must right. be ah, oh, that must be Dom's uh, drag queen persona on the weekends when he goes and does drag at the clubs. That's oh, there you, you got me. There it is. You got me. You got me. Southern Ontario Yolanda. will never be the same. Yolanda Tiano. Oh my 
God. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel this in and just let everybody know that that is episode 292 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I want to thank everybody for the support, the listens, the shares, the downloads, uh, buying merch, which you can do in the show notes. Um, and uh, please interact with us on the Discord and please call that number 978-504-2727 to get on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Listen to Hotline. Uh, and also check out all the articles coming out on the blackandgoldhockey.com website as we get closer to the uh, NHL season. We are from the Boston Bruins in their first preseason game is 34 days and seven hours away, while the first Bruins game is 52 days and seven hours away. Looking forward to that. So it's coming quickly, but we have a lot of good content coming at you, uh, including this weekly podcast and all the articles on the website and a lot of good other stuff. So, all right. With that being said, I'm Mike Arvin. I'm the host. That's Kevin O'Keefe, and that's Mr. Dom Tiano. We are the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you next week. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.